It was a send-off at Yogi Berra Stadium in the middle of a playoff race. We're going to break down both on this week's episode of the Indie Bar Report Podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 181 of the Indie Bar Report Podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, and we have a, I suppose it'd be, fairly heavy frontier league focused show this week yeah i mean it's been the it's been i guess the most exciting most notable league i guess you could say i mean eh, maybe notable is not the right word but it's it's been a really fun league all season it's starting to starting to come to a close and i mean you know the the crazy thing is nick and i know this kind of leads into the first thing we're going to talk about Mm. the jackals as of now will never play another baseball game at Yogi Berra Stadium. It, that is a really crazy thing to think about. After 25 years, they're just done. Like I mean for you like has it like has it set in yet or a little bit. You know, I guess we'll just get into the first thing. Closer there than I do, so. Yeah. Like I guess we'll just get right into the uh, the first bit which is talking about that last game that I was at last night. But it's kind of weird like I never going to say like I was a constant you know, going to that ballpark, obviously in more recent years, you know, in the year or two leading up to doing the show. And then since we've started doing the show, you know, obviously I've gotten more than in the past there. But it is very weird to know, like, the kind of suburban team, I think if there is one to say is suburban, they're in the middle of a college campus there. And, like, they've just always kind of been a fixture there. They've always kind of been there. And, like, obviously the place could pretty much best be described, I think, even by Jackal fans, is it's a dump, but it's our dump type of thing. Because, right. like, you, you have the seats that are all faded. You have, you know, your two concession stands that don't really work too great. You have not too many thrills or frills. I don't think that's, you know, going to take anyone by surprise. And, you know, you got your issues there, certainly. But at the same time, it's just like you've always just kind of gone there you always know what you're going to get there and it's close enough and there's a certain appeal to it where like especially even just like it's going to be weird having a jackal game where you don't have like that weird shaped uh, office building just off in center field there you know just off on the distance that's going to be just a weird thing not hearing the train come through is going to be kind of weird not having just like a bunch of little things is kind of weird to think that you know it's just not going to be the same anymore. Now, obviously, they're moving to a, a brand new, I don't want to call it brand new because it is a historical stadium that, uh, you know, has a lot of history to it. Obviously, if it's historic that they're going to be able to really play on that. They're going to be able to really promote and be able to integrate into their brand. It's really going to be almost breathing fresh life into it. But I mean, it is new in the sense of they're getting nearly a hundred million put into that ballpark, that stadium really. And, uh, you know, that, that's going to be great for them. It's going to be better than anything they could have ever pretty much hoped for. I mean, how many times do minor league teams get a hundred million or $94 million stadium built for them? You're not getting it built per se, but you're getting a renovation that's more than just a facelift, right? It's, it's for, it's lives up to the definition of, of renovation, really. So, uh, I guess to go back to the question of, you know, has it sunk in? In a way, it has. I kind of felt that way leaving last night, where it's just kind of weird. Like, 
I'm probably never coming back here again. Like, I'm, there's just not going to be a reason because I'm not going to go watch, you know, like Division Three college baseball there. And barring another team going in there, or, you know, some team having to, you know, do temporary time there, like if a stadium needed to be fixed or something, I just have no real reason to ever go back there. So it's just kind of weird to see a place and probably the place where the whole idea for this show was kind of born, like in those, like in the stands there, just kind of have the lights go out for the final time. It, it's a very weird experience. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely really weird. And, um, I think that it's not that I'm not excited for the future of the Jackals because I definitely am, um, in Patterson and stuff, but yeah. it, it is, it is just a little bit odd, especially just how quickly the news came. Yeah. And then it's like, it just went from, all right, like status, it went from the status quo to six games left at Yogi Bear Stadium, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was, it's kind of weird in that sense, and then just like that, it was over because they they finished. I believe the Jackals with their last nine or ten on the road, something like that. Yeah, but, the last two uh, series. Yeah, seven I think in Canada, and then three in uh, Sussex County, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So the ending came up quick. I mean, obviously they had such a long run there, so kind of weird. But I, I think it's a it's funny how you say like, oh, it's the dump, but it's a hard dump. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a funny way to put it. Um, but I'm definitely excited for their future, but it is kind of a eerie and weird type of thing. Just the way, just how quickly it came up, um, that, well, that's it for them at, at, at Yogi Berra because, you know, I mean, they, they're not making the playoffs at this point. So that'll, that, that'll be that. Yeah. And I, like, obviously it's not a one for one because the Patriots are still there and they're in TD bank ballpark, but it is a bit different now, I guess for you going to Patriot games where before it was like, this is an Atlantic yeah. league team and not just like any Atlantic league team, like one of the real like model organizations that seem to always be running on a higher level on that same kind of level as like Long Island's always running at that kind of a thing to see them go from independent to affiliated and also, I guess on some levels, kind of similar to that, where it's like, it's just such a huge change. Although that one probably was a bit more anticipated, I would say, than just. Yeah, I think it's a bit more, anti- I think it was a bit more anticipated and it had more notice. But I will say the weird thing is, and, and, I, and I love that ballpark, I still love going. And I, I mean, I go there all the time when I'm home, which yeah. isn't really much anymore. But, you know, <laughs> uh, when, yeah. I'm, when I'm home, I go plenty. Uh, but. I think the the big difference is is when I go there now, like yeah. I don't really care who wins. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm watch. I'm going to watch specific players. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I like I'd, I'd like for the Patriots to win. Like, I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan, but at the end of the day, like if you root against like minor leaguers, you're kind of a loser. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's the big difference. Is like you, I go there and it's like, yeah, I don't really care who wins. Like the score is what it, the score is what it is. But it, it's just, it's a lot different in that sense. I mean, there's some things that are better, but some things that I definitely miss, and I definitely miss going there and actually caring about who wins. Yeah, like, now, and, I mean, and guys move in and out so quick, like, you don't, I mean, you don't really get to know many of them, like, at all. Uh, but, I mean, so it, it's, de- it's definitely weird. It's definitely, I guess, kind of normal at this point now, like, near the end of year two, but, uh, but, Still, miss, still definitely miss it being uh, an Atlantic League team, that's for sure. Yeah, so like it is just like a kind of just weird flip there. And I guess like 
for more fervent Jackal fans, it's going to be kind of the same thing. Like, instead of going through, like, the campus of MSU, you're going to be driving into Patterson and just kind of like, okay, we're going to go to Hinchcliffe now. Like, it's... Yeah. Although, it is kind of nice to see that they're going to go from one non-corporate name stadium to another non-corporate name stadium. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's it's something you don't see much of anymore. But I think the question that that I really want to know about this move. More important than any other question. You ready for it, Nick? Oh, I'm ready for it. Will the trumpet guy go to games in Patterson? Oh, you know, Scott's going to go over there. They had him do the anthem last night, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a a fixture. He's a fixture. Like, I I don't even know if I could go to a game if he he wasn't there. He is a jackal institution at this point. He's got to be there. Yeah. Okay. That, that that makes me feel better. Then. That's good. Yeah. Although I I am going to be very curious because like the release said, and that's one thing I'm not sure how much we touched on last week. We may have. I don't really recall after uh, it being a week since we last recorded. Was you know the release is clear that Jackal Baseball will continue. Makes a point of that. So obviously they're not rebranding and they just did a whole redesign of their brand when uh, Dorso bought the team not too long back, which was funny last night. When they said Al Dorso, they started booing him. I was like, what did he do to get booed? Really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude came in, spent some money, got you a new ballpark. Like, what? Like, I get you don't want to leave here. And I understand that you may have reservations about Patterson. I mean, which is, I think, completely fair. But at the same time, let's not kid ourselves here. If we're looking for a one for one, just looking at ballparks, it's pretty clear cut like obviously the way hinge clips laid out it's going to be kind of awkward for baseball we'd have to see when everything's all done how it's going to lay out but like from some of the renderings with the track in it is kind of awkward like but that aside just from a fan experience it has to be nicer than what you have now and so unless there is something that i'm unaware of and perhaps i am and perhaps you know some jackal fan could fill me in on that you know, you, I just, I don't know why you'd boo him. I mean, like, if he didn't buy the team, I got news for you. They're probably going to fold. And I have a, this feeling when you look at attendance, and I obviously, attendance isn't the be-all and end-all of, you know, what you're bringing in money-wise. You know, it's a factor. It's a large part of it. No one's going to argue against that. But, yeah, you have merchandising you have group sales, you have other things like that that are bringing in probably equally as much, if not more, concession sale as well. So, you know, you look at that, and it's not exactly like the Jackals, just from the one metric we do have access to, are killing the game there with attendance. I mean, what we say last week is about 800 a game. So that, if you're bringing 800 a game, and you're probably not doing great merchandise-wise, you're probably not doing great concessions-wise. So everything else really isn't great. If only 800 people are paying to get in on average, you know, so I don't want to call him like he, like he saved the team or anything like that. But let's be real. If he didn't buy it, who was going to buy him and who was going to be willing to eat the loss for a while and who was going to get you a new place to play? Because, you know, obviously there was some sort of hostile relationship between you and the uh, well, maybe not hostile, maybe hostile is too strong for it, but there was. You know, not the most symbiotic relationship, I guess, between the school and the team. So it's either deal with that in a stadium where they're not doing anything for you or move to a new ballpark. So it 
like I just didn't get why you'd boo him, but I was like, all right, you know, it doesn't bother me none. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I forget what my main point was now, but yeah, the, it was an interesting experience last night, I guess. I mean, how how many like was it like a a full crowd booing type of thing? It was or? a solid. It was a solid. It wasn't just one or two. It was like a solid like uh, you know crowd contingent i'd say like a good section or two worth of booze huh yeah i mean i don't know it's just like any any time a, a franchise moves especially when it's that quick like i feel i feel like that's always going to be the reaction of the fans there like i i just don't think there's a way around it mm. um and even though for example, like the, uh, you know, the, I'm trying to remember what the guy's name was, the former owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and obviously on a way smaller scale, but like the, the, uh, the Brooklyn, Walter O'Malley, I think, yeah, 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 the yeah. guy who owned the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. And he had to move, and they moved to LA, and he was hated in Brooklyn, although like the reasons he moved were not really like stuff, like it wasn't really his fault because like he couldn't get a ball, he couldn't get a ballpark built or whatever. Like, cause, mm. uh, what's the, uh, uh, the guy who the architect dude in New York City, I don't remember now. Yeah, I, it, I I know what you're talking about too. I don't remember the guy's name. Yeah, there's just a movie about him too. Yeah, no, I know. And he like played a big role in building uh, Shea, I guess, because he wanted the ballpark in Flushing. Anyway, the uh, the larger point is like they he, nothing he really could have done, so they kind of had to move. Uh, just because they weren't going to get a new stadium built uh, in Brooklyn, and, and just because Ebbets Field was kind of falling apart at the time, uh, and I think that, and I mean, there are still people, still Dodger fans, or maybe not Dodger fans anymore, but like people who still hold that against him. And I guess even though the evidence points to, well, there's not really much he could have done. So I think it's it's kind of just an inevitable thing, especially maybe maybe in the longer term. Dorso won't be as uh, those fans won't feel that way about uh, about Dorso, mm. uh, but I think in the short term, especially where you quote unquote don't know where they're going officially. I mean, I, I don't know if any of them are listeners to the Indie Ball podcast. <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But um, I think just that uncertainty. Maybe that kind of just played into it, just because of how quick it was. Even though I think most people can understand the reasons why that happened yeah i'd agree with that too and i think it may be over time it'll be the case and i mean it did happen fast and that brings me back to what i was actually thinking about before and also the name you were thinking of robert moses but yes robert moses that's right yeah i had to look that up too because i was like this is bothering me too so i went ahead and i knew it i knew the name it was just i knew the name i just couldn't get it out yeah, which if I remember it, the whole Dodge situation, the plot of the land they wanted to build a new ballpark on is the same land that would eventually become the Barclays Center. So I a, think that is true, yeah. Yeah, in a roundabout way, the stadium got built, just not the type we thought and not when we thought. But yeah, it took, it took like 50 years, but it got done. But, and, like 80 year, and like 80 years later. Yeah, but... Uh, or like 75. Yeah. Either way, so well, no, not seventy five, because it was uh like fifty. Well, it got built in twenty fifteen. Got built in twenty fifteen, but it was moved. They were moved in like the the uh, late fifties. Oh, I was thinking the forties. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, they were they were around into the mid fifties, but right. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Right. I think it was like fifty eight. They moved, but 
57, 58, something like that. But uh, either way, what I was originally going for before I went on the whole dorso side tangent was more or less, I do wonder what that game experience is going to be like. I don't think they're going to go ahead and do another redesign like they did after Dorso had bought the team. I don't think they're going to go ahead and, you know, do anything too drastic in that regard. But, you know, maybe they change the name to like the Patterson Jackals or something like that. Although that just doesn't sound right. You know, Jersey Jackals maybe just drop the new from it. Uh, I don't really think any of that happens. I do wonder just how the marketing plan is going to change though, right? Like, it's going to obviously have to change to fit the the new ballpark, the new community, the new uh, target. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's got to change. Plus, you want a new marketing campaign every year. Keep it fresh. Keep people engaged. So I do wonder what that marketing strategy, what that marketing plan is going to be like. I wonder what the in-game experience is going to be like. Presumably, you won't be as limited technologically as you were before, you know. I'm just kind of curious to see uh, how that's going to go and what that's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, it's got to change a ton. I mean, it is, I mean, honestly, a complete 180. Just because you have a whole different, I mean, you're, got, you're probably getting to a point where um, that, I mean, you're going from a college campus to, to the middle of a, a, I mean, I say a major city, but I guess it's not really major. It's, 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 like it's an I urban call it a mid-major. Well, yeah, we'll call it a city yeah but uh it, it's a lot different um and i think you have to focus more on making it like a community center and a community gathering place that's not at like a state college you know like it's it's a it's a lot it's a lot different the marketing is a lot different um and it's gonna be interesting because there's there's a lot that's going to have to change and a lot that's going to have to improve too right it's not yeah. it's not just uh th- there's certainly things that the jackals have to do better uh, when they when they move um, when, when they move to Patterson because I mean obviously what they've been doing now hasn't really cut it maybe part of that's the stadium maybe part of that is um, there could be a lot of factors but uh, but there's there, there's definitely stuff that has to improve in their move to Patterson and obviously the marketing strategy totally changes yeah absolutely has to there I mean like right now even like I hate to throw stones here and we haven't even really gotten into the game itself yet. Uh, so we'll get into that in just a second here. But right now, the marketing, like at least their weekly promotions, aren't exactly like that big of a variety. I mean, three of them are basically we have cheap beer. You know, Tuesday, they promote the Coronas for $2, the $1 beer on Thursday. And then I believe they have like a $5 flight on Friday. Like that basically it's the same thing. I know there's other stuff, too. I know like. They go ahead and try to make it like a Taco Tuesday as their kind of thing here. And Corona just happens to be cheaper, too. I know they try to do like, uh, you know, the on the Friday, they do other things besides just a flight. And it's a little bit different. I get it that there's slight differences. Plus, you got the Wednesdays where like it's buy one, get one hot dog. You bring your dog to the ballpark. I understand like it's all like some other different things, too. But at the same time, like... They're very similar. You have to admit that. And it worked for where you were at. Like you're on a college campus. So especially when the the school was in session, you could definitely get away with doing that. You're going to get a pretty good crowd out of that. But when, uh, when school's not in session, how often is this working? And you got to admit, it's not that creative. It's not that different. Like, what are we doing here? You know, so 
at the same time, I you got to get some more variety here. We got to get a little bit different too. But also, the like you said, well, you got to focus on making this a lot different of a target demographic now. It's no longer just maybe younger people that are kind of just there. It's, you know, a whole community thing, which, I mean, already to a certain extent they had to do, but now it's even more so. That, and that was their, that was always their big problem, just because, hey, like, uh, when you're talking, like, June, June, July, beginning of August, at some point you can't just be, like, beer. Yeah. You get it. You know, and that's, that's the thing they definitely struggled with. So, um, I, I think that, uh, I think that's something that they'll have to change, but I think they know that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, like that's the thing. Uh, it, but the problem is too, it isn't even that that those... <clears throat> see, what the problem is, isn't even that they're bad promotions per se. It just, it doesn't incentivize you to go on any one particular day. Because it's pretty much the same thing. So you could go any of these days and still get the same thing. So why should I go ahead and specifically say I have to go on this day? Like, it it doesn't really make me want to go. You got to have something that's like, oh, well, that's of note. Like, whether that be a ticket discount, special concession item, special, like, discount at a team store, a special team store item, like, whatever it is, something like that that make me go, oh, well, this is an item that I have to be there for, or... Maybe one day of the week is the day of the week that there's always the giveaway at the door. It doesn't even have to be like a specialty night, like, you know, your, your theme nights and whatnot. It doesn't even have to be like one of those. It just has to be like a, you know, on like Wednesdays, we give something away at the door every time. And it's always something different, whether that's just like a rally towel, uh, some sort of sponsored shirt, a sponsored hat, um, even just like something that's like, Dumb as like a pencil or something, you know, have it be a whole thing. I mean, like, if you really want to take it to another level, do kind of what I think Somerset does with like the card collectibles, make it a collectible series. It could be a poster. It could be cards. It could be, you know, just about anything really when you get down to it, have it go the length of the season. It gives someone a reason to keep going back to the ballpark the same time, the same night. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there's got, I think you're right when you said there's got to be more of a reason that like on this specific night and i know it's not as easy to be like you know like autograph nights like former like new york giants or something like that like the patriots have done that for and they've done that too like yeah. uh, they got like oh, what's his name Otis sanderson i think his yeah. name was yeah they got him one time but i, I think that th- there's got to be i guess more creativity with the promotions in order to get uh people to the ballpark um, that that go beyond just beer, and I think that's I think that's the overall point here, and that uh, that stuff that they have to get they have to get better with. Mm, I definitely agree with that. And on that note, uh, we'll take a brief second, I guess, to just kind of discuss the game and just kind of go through that a little bit here. Uh, I attempted to live tweet it; it was moderately successful. I'm not going to lie to you guys; I was. Standing in a beer line for about two hours of this. Let's see, what was the final runtime? It was exceeded four hours, I do know. Uh, four hours and eight minutes. I spent about two hours of that standing in a line. So it became very difficult. And I think I missed a couple p- pitching changes. I think Perez came out much earlier than I thought he did. Because to be quite honest, maybe they announced it. Maybe they didn't. I'd be shocked if they didn't announce it. But... I couldn't hear the announcement get made, so I assumed he was still on the mound. 
because you know obviously it was kind of hard to do multiple things at once but um yeah the long and short of it is it was kind of back and forth offensively speaking uh the boulders got on the board early but then the jackals got the runs back second inning went on for a very very long time i'd say probably about a half hour 45 minutes getting close to an hour i would say just that second inning alone uh, and there wasn't even that much offense, and it was two runs for the Boulders, one run for the Jackals. It just was one of those innings that kind of took a very long time to get through, that kind of a thing. And then from there, it kind of kept moving pretty much the same kind of deal. Tie game, Jackals have like a one-run lead, Boulders tie it up, Jackals get it back in the fifth. You know, big, uh, I believe it was Josh Rewalt. I know he hit a home run, I believe it was a three-run shot. I don't know for certain. Again, I just got to check the box score real quick. Or Jason Agresti, my mistake, not Rewalt. Rewalt scored on the Agresti shot. It was very difficult to follow this game from a line. I, that's what I'm trying to get across here. So I'm trying to go off of memory, but I know that's going to be faulty. Um, but yeah, and then the, the Boulders got six runs in the top of the six. And that was pretty much it. It was a very not good inning for the Jackals. I'll put it like that. There was no real stop to the bleeding. Um, and that was pretty much all she wrote there. Uh, the win winds up going to Dylan Smith, who came in to relieve Robbie Rowland after five innings of work. He gave up all the runs for the Jackals, all seven. Smith came in three and a third, struck out seven, walked three, didn't allow a single hit. Matt Leone finished the job for the last uh, two thirds in the, uh, in the ninth. And that was pretty much all she wrote. It got kind of interesting when they got two men on, but, um, yeah, that was about as interesting as it got. <laughs> so, uh, that's pretty much how yeah. that game ended. And I will say, I feel like my live tweeting met the standard that Yogi Berra met for professional baseball. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah. That's that's a way to send it off. I don't know how I uh, how I can top that. I mean, it doesn't look like a very well played baseball game. I mean, Jackals made five errors. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's yeah. I mean, it sounds like a lot. Some errors off the field were also made by the Jackals. So maybe then the real number is like seven or eight. But yeah. But. Uh, you know, but uh, it doesn't seem like a very well played ball game. But I guess. Um, you know, if there were more efficient beer sales and people stayed the whole game, my goodness, would you have had some people stumbling out of there, let me just say. Oh, God. Yeah, it was, uh, it would have been something else, I'll tell you that. But that whole, uh, the whole experience, I was like, you know what? I see why I don't do this more often because this is kind of annoying, not going to lie. But, uh, I will say off the field, though, they made a couple of uh, announcements. They did a little tribute thing at the end. I believe they were supposed to be fireworks, but they just never had them for whatever reason, <laughs> too. So, like, that was kind of odd to me because I was like, oh, there's fireworks tonight, too. And then they're just like, all right, we'd like to thank you for 25 years of coming in and all that, whatnot, go through the whole thing. And then I expect, like, oh, once they do, like, kind of this send-off thing, then they'll do the fireworks show and then that'll be that. And then they were like, get home safe. And I was like, wait a minute, what? What do you mean, get home well, they're safe? they're definitely supposed to be fireworks? Yeah, it promoted it. That's not good. Yeah, it was definitely promoted that way. 
I will say that. Uh, I can even, uh, yeah, I'm going to quickly check just to make sure that it did say, because I'm like nearly 100% positive that uh, it was listed under the tickets I bought. Let's go here. Which I tried yeah. to add my tickets to my wallet too, by the way, and it said I couldn't do that. I thought I when when I've been to when I when I went to the Jackals, they let me add it to my wallet. So do you have an iPhone? Oh wait, you don't have an iPhone. I have a Samsung phone. Tragic. Maybe uh, it's just really tough to see. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, yeah. It says it right here on the on the ticket in the little ad thing. Fan appreciation, firework night, Thursday, August 29th. This is 29th. What the hell? They got the date. The 29th of August is on Monday. They got the date wrong. Really? Yeah. Is it like a physical ticket? Yeah, I just, I went back to my ticket because I don't have the stub. I bought them online. So that's like my set at the wallet. So I went back. I opened like the print from page. And it says fan appreciation, firework night, Thursday, August 29th. <laughs> well, that's just not a date. I don't know. I don't know what year that could be in, but it, it's not here. Oh, are they suggesting something? I don't know. Maybe uh, they'll be back at Yogi Bear in 2034 when it's, that date lines up. I don't know. <laughs> like, obviously, it's got to obviously be a typo, but like, what the hell? Like, this is just, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry. What I'm, the hell? I'm sorry. Like that's just what the hell is that? <laughs> can you make the? Can you? I, I think you should make the uh, the title of this episode. What the hell? <laughs> I I kind of want to, but I kind of want to make it Thursday, August 29th <laughs> <laughs> Either one, I think, would be a good option. Like I'm sorry. Like that's a that's a mistake. Like I recall the typo there. But clearly, there were supposed to be fireworks. There weren't. I don't really care about fireworks, though. So whatever. But the typo on the ticket. I'm sorry. That's the perfect send off. Like I thought my live tweeting was. Nah, I'm mistaken. This was the perfect send off to say that there was going to be something there wasn't actually going to be, and then to not provide it, and have the wrong information. I mean, can you imagine if you if you actually did care about fireworks and you stayed four hours and eight minutes oh for an eleven God. to seven baseball game and there wasn't fireworks? I wonder if there are people like if you're listening and you were at that game and you were expecting fireworks and you wait you were waiting to the end just so you could see fireworks. Let us know. I don't know if there are those people out there. Please do. I want to know how disappointed you are now. <laughs> I legitimately want to know because. I was standing in that line too, and I was like, imagine if you're staying in this line for food, you get up there, and they're out of whatever you wanted, so you wasted 90 minutes of your time in this line for nothing. I think I'm fixated on the wrong issue, though. The point is, the, the, the ballpark's done, it's the end of a chapter, beginning of a new chapter, and, uh, it went off like it lived its life. Amen. Exactly right. So we'll go now to, uh, to talk about the rest of the Frontier League after spending 35 minutes on the Jackals. So, we do have playoff races. We have the first team to clinch, which is the Washington Wild Things. They clinched a playoff spot uh, earlier in the week. And they are now the first team in the postseason. They, I believe, have a game or two more to win before they will clinch a uh, the division itself. But at this point, they're seven and a half up 
with about 10 or so to play. I think just under 10. So it's all but done for them in the division at this point. Um, as far as the rest of the West goes, Lake Erie's starting to fade a little bit. They're about three and a half back, of which could be too much at this point. Evansville and Schaumburg have the identical record, so they are jockeying to see who's going to host that wild card game and who's going to be traveling there over in the East. It's kind of the same deal. Empire State's been dead for a while. The Jackals have been dead for a while. Three Rivers, I think, can formerly be called dead as well, as they've gone three and seven in their last ten. They've fallen to just a game above 500, so they're essentially out of it at this point. Meanwhile, we look over at the uh, remaining five teams, and those are all very much in playoff contention still. I don't know if Quebec's formally clinched a spot at this point, but they are... They have unofficially had it for quite some time. I imagine they probably clinched it. Uh, if not, we'll do so very shortly. Uh, the Miners have gone very hot as of recent. Won five in a row, eight and two in the last ten. They are in second place. They are set to post the wild card game at a 51-36 record at the moment. Obviously, they still have some games left to play as well. Uh, the Valley Cats team that we've both been high on the last few weeks. They are seven and three in their last ten, lost the last two. So uh, maybe a sign of cooling off a bit, maybe not. They are in that final wild card spot, which would give us a nice Miners Valley Cats uh, series, which are not series wild card game at Sussex County, which I think would be very fun for all parties involved. And then of course we have Ottawa, a half game out of the wild card spot. That last wild card spot, that is. And the Boulders, a game out of that wild card spot. Uh, the Titans have 40, or yes, the Titans have 49 wins, 38 losses. Boulders, 48 wins and 38 losses there. So it's still not done in the East. There is still a chance that really, like, I think the Miners should be set now, but they could hit a rough patch in this last, like, week and change of the season. And have some real issues. I don't think it will happen, but it could happen. Uh, as far as that last spot, though, there are really three teams for one spot as of right now. Yeah, I mean, as far as as far as the West, things are pretty much wrapped up. Only thing we need to look out for really is who's going to host that wild card game between Evansville and Schaumburg. Uh, but I mean, in the East, I mean, Sussex County is—they're just red hot. Uh, they're they're red hot playing really good baseball and I mean it's gonna be a really fun race for that uh, for I mean I said that last spot but it could even be those those two spots as well um, and again something that I mean we've talked about it a lot Tri City ends with Empire State so uh, I mean although there will be a huge series I mean uh, as far as I mean Tri City's series before that though at at the Boulders and the and Sussex County at home both really really big series uh as far as this as far as playoff contention and i mean and ottawa's ottawa's still kind of playing mediocre to below average baseball but i mean they're still very much in it uh just a half game out but i mean the problem is really with ottawa or i should say not so much the problem because they did they were able to split the series with uh with tri-city but uh, they they got three against Empire State this weekend. Obviously, they got to win those uh, in the worst way. So I mean, you could see them by the end of the weekend kind of jump up with the given given their uh, schedule this weekend, and then uh, against Three Rivers uh, at home. Now that series that 
Ottawa specifically ends with at at Quebec. Could you see Quebec not really like going all out for it just because they they have nothing to play for? It's an it's a possibility. So mm-hmm. I think Ottawa is in somewhat of, still a decent position, but I think uh, they still got to take care of business. And uh, I mean, it, it's a crazy race for that last spot, or even even those last two spots, really. Yeah, I don't think it's really done yet. I do think the Quebec thing is interesting. I'm not sure if you would see like a CM Fuegas in that series. I'm not even sure if he's lined up to pitch in that series, but I don't think you'd see him. Maybe you rest a couple other guys. Uh, but all in all, I think you'd see pretty much the same lineup there. Although I think you do bring a good point with remaining schedules and whatnot. I'm just going to quickly run through the teams that are, you know, in the wild card or still in the hunt for that wild card as it is. Uh, well, you mentioned some of these, so I'll be quick with, uh, with them as far as, uh, all the teams go. But the Boulders have their last home stand here, three against Tri-City, three against Empire State, and then they go on the road to three rivers to end the year there. So that's a pretty easy slate. Obviously, the series starting tonight against Tri-City is going to be a bit more difficult. It is going to be tougher, but it's also still a winnable series at the end of the day. They could go ahead and get a split. If you go one and two and then you go, say, sweep against the Grays and then two and th- two and one, uh, against three rivers there, all of a sudden, you know, that's not a bad turn of events. That's what six and three in your last nine. That certainly could be good enough to get you there. As far as the Titans go, you mentioned Quebec was their last series. That's on the road at Quebec. They do start against Empire State for their last homestand. Three there and then three against Three Rivers as well. Six very winnable games for them. I think this kind of determines whether or not Ottawa's going to be in this conversation this time next week or not. If they can't take advantage of these two series, it's going to be done at that point. And I just imagine by the time we start recording next Friday or Saturday morning or whenever we do get the chance to record next week, um, we'll pretty much have this all already known, already wrapped up there. Three Rivers, we've mentioned a lot in the past. They finished with Empire State. That is going to be at home, obviously. But before that, they have a three-game set against the Miners at home. And then the three games against the Boulders on the road to finish off their last road trip of the year. And then the Miners themselves, as you could probably guess from everything else, uh, they will be going and playing three against Quebec starting tonight, then three to uh, Tri-City, as we just mentioned, and then they finish at home, three against the Jackals for your Labor Day weekend. So that is how it looks across the board. I would say there's teams that got easier slates than others. The Miners probably got the worst slate to deal with because they got six tough games and three not-so-tough games. Uh, Elsewhere, I mean, I don't really love Tri-City's schedule either. That's not exactly a cakewalk there. Ottawa probably has the best one, I would say. They have, you know, some easy games too. And even, like I said, the Boulders don't have a terrible schedule either outside of the Valley Cat series. But yeah, I'd say uh, Ottawa, they probably have the schedule advantage in my opinion. I just want to see Empire State wreck some havoc. Oh, pull on Apollos. Nine games. That's what I'm looking for. I, I would be down for them to pull an Apollos here, which can I just point out? I know we pointed it out a couple weeks ago, probably about a month ago. The home road splits for the Boulders are just insane to me. 18 and 22 on the road, 30 and 16 at home. 
Like, I know yeah. there's home field advantage, but that is just crazy. Yeah, I mean, and part of that has to do with the Empire State games, but I mean, they do really do have a home field advantage. Yeah. I mean, with, uh, with, with that, that right field short porch uh, and all that good stuff. So, I mean, they do have a home field advantage. So it, it is a significant, it is a significant advantage for a team like the Boulders. Yeah, even crazier than the Boulders. The Valley Cats are 32 and 13 at home. The Miners are 33 and the Miners are 33 and 15. What's kind of surprising though is Ottawa only 25 and 21 at home. Not exactly the split you'd expect to see. Yeah. A little odd, but I think, uh, actually, if you were to do a winning percentage, I know there's less games on the road. I think the road games, they have a better winning percentage. They're 24 and 17. Ottawa's 24 and 17 on the road. Yeah. Impressive. Honestly, like, it's, it's be interesting to see this because this is a team that, like, say what you will about them and consistency has been an issue with them. The one thing that is consistent is they're going to be the same team on the road as they are at home. That's one of the very few things. However, they're playing any, any given time frame, they're going to play the same way at home or on the road. The rest of these teams, not as good a chance if you're going to them. If you're playing them at your own ballpark, I should say, you've got a decent enough chance, but everybody else, sub 500 on the road. In the case of the Valley Cats, uh, noticeably worse, seven games under. Everybody else only like three or four. Yeah, so I mean, that, that's going to be a thing to see come playoff time as far as who's home, especially the, uh, Especially when you're talking about uh, that one game wild card as well. So, yeah, uh, where, where really anything can happen. So, I don't know. A yeah. lot, lot to be determined for sure. Absolutely. It's going to be something interesting to watch and we'll keep you up to date. And then next week, we will probably have a full playoff field available. But before we move on to another league that is in some very serious playoff clinching scenarios in the American Association. We do have a slight bit of news from a former Frontier League market as most will recall earlier this year, I guess end of last year, the uh, Southern Maryland, or not Southern Maryland, I always made this mistake and that's why I'm kind of happy that these miners are gone, uh, but the Southern Illinois miners, uh, they kind of ceased operations, not kind of, they did cease operations and we were wondering what was going to happen to Rent One Park in Marion, Illinois. We speculated on oh, maybe another independent league, maybe whatever, and it ultimately became a summer collegiate league that was announced uh, earlier. They're going to play in the Prospect League. So the same league that um, a couple of other former uh, markets went to, such as the normal Corn Belters, another team like that, uh, the team in O'Foundland, uh, Missouri, that formerly held the River City Rascals is in this league. So it's kind of a fit there, too. Uh, they got teams from uh, Pennsylvania, to uh, West Virginia, all the way over to Missouri and uh, Iowa as well. You have teams in Clinton and Burlington, markets that we thought maybe could become Frontier League markets, ultimately didn't. Not too surprising of a decision. It's a lot cheaper to run than a professional league. There's fewer dates, obviously, but they uh, they hold a lot of flexibility because of the fewer games, lower costs to run it. It's still a nice ballpark. There's probably still a demand for baseball there. And to the general audience, yeah, it's not professional baseball, but you're still getting a good level of product. And they're getting some optionality out of it as well, where you have concerts, you have youth events, you have professional bull riding, which is a thing. If you look at the PBR's uh, 
and that's not Pabst Blue Ribbon, but instead professional bull riding. If you go to that website, there is an event in Marion, Illinois at Rent One Ballpark, which was very jarring for me to see a, a ballpark turn into a uh, bull wrestling ring. But, you know, it is what it is there. So, uh, yeah, they will join the 18-team league. They fit the middle of the geography. I guess it works there. And, uh, yeah, that's... That's just all there is to really report on that. If you want to name the team, they got to name our new team uh, contest. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is where this is especially the former indie ball markets where we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of teams go towards. Um, just because, as you mentioned, Nick, it's it is cheaper to run, and there there likely is still uh, a, a baseball demand there. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what that ends up becoming, but I think the, as far as the team name and branding and stuff like that, but, uh, I'm sure there is a demand for it. And, uh, I think that, yeah, I think it's a, especially that's kind of their only option probably to keep baseball, uh, there if a front, if the frontier league's not an option. Again, it's cheaper to run, obviously, when you're, when you don't have to pay the players at all. So I think that, uh, I think, Seems like a, a solid market and probably one of the probably I assume one of the better stadiums in the in the league for sure. Absolutely, I I agree with that all the way there. And it is just kind of disappointing to see it not go back to professional ball. But I mean, it, for all the business reasons and logistical reasons, it makes more sense to do it this way. So uh, on that note, we will switch to the American Association. Uh, we're getting kind of down to the wire here. Kane County and Milwaukee can both clinch tonight as well as Winnipeg. I believe Milwaukee's situation, which I will go back to the league page, which announced it earlier today, but Milwaukee, I believe, is a simple win you're in. For the other two, they'll need some help. They'll need a win and somebody else wins type situation to clinch their spots. Uh, yes, here we are. Milwaukee will be in the postseason taking the second playoff spot in the west with a win or a chicago win if king county wins and chicago wins then they will be clinched they will clinch that spot uh if winnipeg goes ahead and wins tonight and cleburne wins then they will clinch the third spot in the west division uh so far fargo has now hit the 60 win total they have clinched the spot Kansas City has also clinched a spot. They're at 56 wins for those keeping track at home. And then Chicago clinched a spot earlier this week. They're at 50 wins uh, so far on the year. Uh, it seems pretty obvious at this point that those teams are all going to be there. There were six teams that we kind of knew uh, once King County started to really separate from the pack. We're going to be in the postseason. It became kind of obvious. Like Country fell out and then Gary and the railroad is always fighting for that four spots. And then everybody else in the East was obvious there in the West. Sioux Falls and Lincoln have just kind of been circling for a while, not really doing all too much to be kind of blunt and honest. As far as that last spot goes, uh, Sioux city kind of stepped up in the last few weeks to climb that spot. Lincoln's kind of falling out of it for a little bit. They were in there, but like I mentioned a second ago, they've been circling the drain a little bit for a while. Winnipeg stepped up big claim to playoff spots. So they're going to get it, if not tonight, in the next few days. So that's pretty much good. And we knew Kansas City and Fargo were always going to make the postseason. So that's not really a concern there. But uh, yeah, really the place to look is for those two four seats. Those are where the competition is at the moment. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, when you look at, 
I mean, I guess with uh, Lincoln and, and Sioux City, uh, I mean, Lincoln is, uh, I mean, Sioux City is really, as the season has gone along, they've, they've played much better baseball uh, to put themselves into this position. They got out to a really rough start, but they've played uh, really good baseball of late. Uh, so, I mean, they're definitely the favorite here to take the four seed in the West from, from Lincoln, who has really struggled. Uh, and I mean, as far, as far as the East, I mean, you'd think Cleburne's pretty much, especially with Cleburne's hot stretch and Gary's cold stretch, Cleburne's pretty much got the, the, that wrapped up. But I will say as far as the East and, you know, I mean, as far as you're just, uh, you're picking your first round matchup, I mean, the dogs, I mean, the dogs really, to me, for, for quite a while have not been playing well. Yeah. I mean, they have been, They've been an average team, really, for about a month and a half. That's what I've been feeling, too. Like, they, honestly, it feels like since the All-Star break, it's just been pretty mediocre baseball, even, like, leading up to it. Like, I've never looked at this Dogs team and been like, yes. Even when they were doing good, I was never like, this is a contending team. This is a team that has a serious chance at winning a championship. I've never felt that way about this team. And I know they're 10 games about 500, but... Even that puts them, like, the third best team in this league, barely at that number, by the way. They've let Milwaukee kind of get back into this. Granted, Milwaukee's 7-3 and three as of late, so they've kind of found their stride. But even a Kane County team, which I think we both can agree, is a pretty middling team. Like, there's a couple guys, like Kerrigan yeah. on that team, that are really solid ball players, that are really good, help the team the whole nine. But as a team... They just really don't go, yeah, this is a notable team that just has gotten some bad luck or just need to figure a couple of things out and then they're good. It's just like, yeah, this is, I feel like they should be about three or four games above 500. If they finish the year with, you know, 52 wins. That would be about right. Yeah, 52, 53 wins. It sounds about right. But they're only three games out of winning this division. Like the three games back of the division lead. And it's like, it's a pretty middling team. They should not be that close. Like, they should be a playoff team. I'm not going to argue that. But they shouldn't be this close to winning a division. I mean, really, if you look at Cleburne, too, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10, which is a real kind of a shocker when you think about it. And their issues, they're just going to run out of road. Like, they still very well could finish 500 on the year. I think it's going to be a bit of a stretch to get there. I think they probably finish at 48 wins would be my guess. They have about... 10 left to play so I think 6 and 4 is realistic to ask here they finished the year 14 and what would it be 14 and 6 that's a pretty good finish to the year but I don't know 500 there but even Cleburne in theory could still win this division it won't happen but in theory they could so you know they just don't feel like a good team they don't feel like a playoff or championship contender really it, yeah I agree and I think I mean, honestly, as far as I'm looking, who I would pick to win this division, I mean, probably would as 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 not as average and mediocre as they've been for as they were for the first three quarters of the year. I think it would have to be Milwaukee, yeah. and, and and I I think I I would I would pick Milwaukee, and I think uh, and obviously the division isn't great, and I really do think that the the winner will come from the West, but I think that I I, I would pick Milwaukee to come out of the East right now. Yeah, and in, in this league especially, winning your division matters a lot. You pick your opponent if you do that. Otherwise, you're at the mercy of the selection if you don't win your division. 
And I will say this much, we're going to get a big test here coming up on Tuesday because Chicago goes to Milwaukee for three. And then they play King County for four. Like, they have a three-game stretch here starting tonight, going through Sunday, where they have Gary at home, last home games of the year. They really could use a sweep right now. If they sweep them, you make it a lot more difficult on Milwaukee. You make it a lot more difficult on King County, which, if I'm not mistaken, they're playing each other at the moment. Uh, yes, they are. They have a series starting tonight, three-game set at Franklin Field. So that is something that will kind of help the dogs out. This series is going to eliminate essentially one of them from the contention of this, uh, of this division here. Only thing is Milwaukee also ends the year four games, uh, at Gary. So <laughs> that's not great if you are Chicago thinking, ooh, they get the Gary South Shore Railcats, which on account of going, uh, Two and eight in their last ten have essentially eliminated themselves from playoff contention. Now, not formally. They're four games out. But Cleburne's going up. Gary's going down. So you don't really expect that trend to end. And even if they start playing 500 baseball even, that's not good enough. So it's kind of safe to say the railroad is going to get into the postseason. So if you're Milwaukee, yeah. I guess the question here is if you're Milwaukee or King County, let's say, let's say the dogs don't win this division or really for whoever wins the division, I guess, who are you picking? Are you taking a really hot railroaders team? Are you taking pretty much one of the other two mediocre teams? Like who are you picking in the East? It's a good question. I mean, it's not, and it doesn't really have an, an easy answer. I would say, and obviously there's still, um, there's still like 10 games left, so things can change as far as if Cleburne is playing really well and whatever. I would probably still take Cleburne. Um, yeah. and I, I would still probably choose to play them, but I mean, I guess, I mean, you could have, you could have an argument to play a cold Chicago team if you thought, if you thought at this point that the, your options were better doing that, but I mean, I would probably still play the numbers and take, and take Cleburne, but I don't think it's an easy choice for sure. See, what's getting Cleburne by right now is their pitching. Like, if you look at their last seven days, batting-wise, they're hitting 243 as a team. On base is just 357. So, they're not exactly, you know, doing a lot here. If you want to get down to it, really, there's like two or three guys that are powering this offense, and that's Alexander batting 375, just kind of getting on base, doing his job there, and Chase Simpson, who has two home runs and seven RBIs, drawn five walks, scored six runs, it's really those guys, and then to a, a, I guess a lesser extent, Zach Nery, who is batting 360, so that's pretty solid on base of 467, and then uh, uh, Chuck Taylor, too. He's doing a fine job, but everybody else that isn't one of those four guys, 250 or lower, on base of 400 or lower, most of them are closer to 300 or in the 200s, so not exactly great there. Pitching-wise, though, they've been lights out, 253 ERA. In about how many innings have they thrown? They have thrown a grand total of 57 innings in that time frame. So pretty good. Also, they have one, two, three, four, five pitchers that have combined for 14. Let's see, 14 innings, 17 innings, and then that comes to be six innings. So 23 innings of scoreless baseball. Yeah, I mean, 
the, the pitching staff's been really good, and that's what that's what gets you by a lot of the times in the postseason. So I mean, they're a uh, they're a dangerous team. They're they're a uh, they're a, a dangerous team, even though they're six under. Uh, but they're they're getting hot at the right time. Uh, so I think that I mean uh, you're getting to a point where. Uh, at least whoever wins the division has to consider not choosing Cleburne, like a hot Cleburne team. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I still would think they would pick Cleburne, uh, but I, I think it's, it's definitely not an easy decision. I agree with that, yeah. Over in the West, let's just talk about that real quick so we can wrap up the American Association for the week, and then I guess next time we'll talk about them. We'll either have a playoff field set or we'll be right down to the wire. Same thing with the Frontier League. Fargo's been hot. Kansas City's been hot. Winnipeg's been cold. Nobody else has really stepped up. Sioux Falls is continuing to trip on themselves, going one and nine. I'm pretty sure they're eliminated from contention at this point. I mean, it's a nine game difference between them and Lincoln. And even more than that, it's a 12 game difference between them and uh, Sioux City at this point when they don't have 12 games left. So <laughs> it looks like they're, so they're out. yeah, they're done. They're done there. So, uh, it, uh, as far as Lincoln versus the Sioux City goes, we know Winnipeg's going to be in, if not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then it'll be Sunday. So it's a matter of time before they get in. They're pretty much clinched without clinching yet. Of the two sub-500 teams that are not eliminated from playoff contention yet, are you both in agreement it's going to be Sioux City because they've gotten better while Lincoln has not? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely in agreement that Sioux City will be the one that comes out uh I wouldn't say come out on top, but they come in fourth. Yeah. Then it's pretty clear if you're uh, Fargo-Moorhead, you're taking Sioux City, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, the only other possible choice is Winnipeg. And while they're cold, I still don't like playing the fourth-best team in the league when I could take the, depending on how Cleburne finishes, either worst or second-worst playoff team. Right. Yeah. It just feels uh, like it's an easy decision. Yeah, if you, even though I know they've struggled a little bit, but they've struggled against each of these teams at different points. You take the weaker team, I think, kind of slam dunk. And let the only way I could see this being different is let's say Winnipeg stalled out. They finished at fifty fifty one wins, and Sioux City continued to be hot. They're playing you know just about five hundred baseball right now, three game winning streak. Yada yada yada. They go ahead. They finish at say forty nine wins or fifty wins. Then I'd be willing to think, okay, Winnipeg's cold, Sioux City's hot. Maybe go Winnipeg because they're a colder team and the records are pretty identical. Even if Winnipeg's talent's a bit better. Yeah, I I, I still wouldn't do it, but I think that um, I, I would still you know pick probably Sioux City who, who will come out, but uh, I think it's. I still don't think it's that much of a discussion. I think it's a that's the only case you could make, but it's still a pretty easy decision, I think, for Fargo-Moorhead. Hmm. Well, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I, I'd be inclined to probably go Sioux City, too. But I think it could be something of uh, of note there. But on that note, we will continue on to the Atlantic League. Uh, one thing of note before we basically start, we're going to talk about Billy Horn, who got thrown out of the game and then gave a fan first base. Apparently, there's a whole... Uh, uh, John Boy did a whole uh, breakdown video of it. So if you're interested to see that video and the whole breakdown of the situation, you can go over there. I don't really know the whole thing because it happened last night. So obviously I was busy. And then right after I got out of work, we started recording this. So I haven't really had time to look at the video yet. I can't really break it down all too much for you. But I will say 
it's nice to see some press here, and we've had some real fun ejections and umpire videos out in the Atlantic League this year. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there, there's certainly been shortage of a lot of things, but not a shortage of that. Uh, but I thought, I thought it was awesome. Like, I mean, you've seen guys like take the bases themselves and throw in the bases, giving the bases to a fan. I love it because then, I mean, they needed the base back, but those fans did still get to go home with an actual base. So with an extra base that they had. So that I think I'm pretty sure Billy signed for him. So I think that, I think that's cool. I think that's awesome. And I, it was a it was a fun is a funny ejection and a, a pretty cool moment I think for the for those fans. So I, I'm I'm all for it. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Do you do you know what the ejection was over or? I the video that that were posted didn't really have any of the context. It was just started with the umpire throwing him out. So okay. I'm not sure. All right. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. If you want to know what happened there. Go ask Ryan at ALPB Roundup. He'll know. We'll direct you to Ryan because he'll know before we'll know because it takes us a week before we'll get back and discuss this again. I'm going to be real with you guys. Probably not going to discuss this again. So go, <laughs> go ask him. He's not doing anything either. So you can go ask him. Uh, yeah, as far as actual discussion points go, we're going to have only one wild card. The Barnstormers, I don't want to say, are running away with the division, but they have a four and a half game lead on the Blue Crabs, and they are up 14 games uh, above 500 at the moment, too. So they're looking pretty good. Gastonia is, well, still a tank. 31 and 14, just running right now. Seven and a half up on Wild Health Kentucky, who are tied with the High Point Rockers for first place in the wild card so i believe wild health would have it i don't know what the tiebreaker is i'd have to look I think that wild up. health's up by a half game half though. game okay I, yeah let me switch over to the tag because what i just saw when i click standings it said otherwise so same record so i don't know well well wild health is 58 and 52 high points 58 and 53 no oh wait yes i mistake i looked at lancaster my mistake, yes, you are right. They're Long up Island's game. only two out. I Wait, no, say, that's, that can't... Oh, no. Two and a... No, that's it, not right. What would be helpful is if on the wild card page, when you go to the tab, they gave you the actual, like... The games, games back. back are wrong on this on this website. Yeah, because it's giving you games back of, I believe, the overall division standings. Like, if we combine the first and second half records, then... Well, for the... I know, but the thing is, is like... uh what's it called like i'm looking at like i know but it's like i'm looking at like oh wild health 17 and a half long island 19 and a half all right cool then they're uh then they're then they're two back but they're not two back because it's five yeah they're five back yeah so it's high it's high point in wild health yeah pretty much which i'll say this much like at first i was yeah this is a very weird way of doing it first off like for wild card things they i'm gonna just bitch about the website for a second before I go into my point that I was about to make. Lancaster should just be removed from the wildcard equation until they fall in the second place. That should not be displayed. That should then bring us to the tight, well, nearly tied records of High Point and Wild Health. Then what would be nice is for the games back to just be games back of the wild card and not whatever the hell system they're running here. Outside of that, it's fine. But again, this goes back to the Atlantic League needs to do a complete redesign of their website probably should have been done last offseason, but it really should be done this offseason or as soon as possible. I understand you don't want to do it mid-season. I get it. Please do it in the offseason. 
This is just not a very good website. Nothing's really blows me away. And there's certain things that are out of date. A lot of things are clunky to use. Please fix it. Regardless to my point here. Before I was going to say like, oh, you know, I really don't want Long Island making the postseason because, you know, they haven't played good baseball really the whole year. They've had periods where they were good, but by and large, they've been either mediocre or bad. And they're 53 and 57 on the year. So that's not really, you know, something that's worthy of a playoff spot unless you're in the American Association. But right here, not really worthy of it. That said, I'm really starting to get on that train for High Point too, And I hate to do it because I really like the guys over in High Point. I really do. And they had a really good first half, which is what kind of kept me around on it for a while. But that said, first half only means so much for so long. You're 19 and 26 now. You need to do more for me to really root for you to be in the postseason. When you're 19 and 26, I have a hard time saying this is a playoff team. I understand the way the halves work. I get all that. You're still 19 and 26 in the second half. Need to be better than that. Why Wild Health Genome has not done really anything mind-blowing at any point this year. If I'm not mistaken, they finished the first half above 500. They're on pace to finish this half above 500. That's good enough for a wild card. So, yeah, that's kind of my stance on this. I'm starting to really root for Wild Health to make this. That said... It feels like it's going to just be Gastonia and Southern Maryland still, although Lancaster's making me look at them. Yeah, I would I would say those are definitely the two best teams, uh, Southern Maryland and Gastonia. Um, however, I think that, uh, I, I mean, yeah, High Point's just really that this whole second half has, has not been the same team. Um, but, I, I mean, Wild Health has been decent enough. I agree. I think Wild Health's been decent enough to get into the playoffs. I mean, I think they still have Chris Davis on their team, the uh, the Crush Davis. Oh okay. no, wait, that's that's the other Chris Davis. Whoops. Anyway, um, I, I yeah, I mean, it, it should be a fun race, I guess, between Wild Health and High Point to see who can be, I guess, mediocre and make the play and, and make the last wild card spot. But the race uh, for mediocrity. Yeah, it's the race for mediocrity. But I I think I would think Wild Health comes out with it, but at least Long Island's pretty much out of it at this point. So, yeah. uh, so they don't get rewarded for finishing last place. And I wonder if any teams ever finished last place in the second half, but still won the wild card. This required know. digging. I, I feel like it had to have happened at some point because this is the Atlantic League, but I don't know for certain, so I can't say. But yeah, I'm not sure either. One thing I just remember, though, that we do have to mention. Congrats to Gastonia on setting the Steels record. They did that this week, earlier in the uh, week, too. Yeah. So congrats to them. What is it, over 200 steals now in the year? I think like 216 or something to that extent. Insane. It's to- totally insane. Uh, oh, wait, just... my mistake. They, they are at 268. My mistake. Way off. Just on a total, part. total change in everything yeah. for them this year. And so, uh, I mean, great for them. Uh, this is why they've, I mean, they've, they've gotten to the running game more than anybody else in the league by far. Uh, it's a big reason they're winning games. So they're winning so many games. So good for them. And I'm sure they will, they will set, uh, the record by and establish, uh, the record by quite a bit, uh, mm. going into once the season ends. Get to 300. I want to see you get to 300 steals. That's all I got to add on that point. But I will say it does look like steals across the board 
are up though because I mean it's not just Gastonia like Gastonia's like leaps and bounds ahead they're 100 ahead of the next closest that uh, Lancaster at 167 but even that's a non-insignificant amount of steals for 110 games I mean all but let's see yeah, one two three four five teams are not at a steal or more per game although those teams still have 96 98 86 and 78 steals respectively so while they're not really doing a lot on the base path it's also not nothing either right i i, I think it, that just shows how insane gastonia has been as far as stealing bases and in the running game this year it's just been off the charts as they have been in a lot of fences too i mean yeah. not even just on the offensive side uh i mean they they are the best pitching team in the league as well so uh, just, just a really good team and the favorite, probably the favorite to bring it home, the championship at the end of the day. They gotta be. They absolutely have to be. So with that said, uh, I think we're kind of done here. I know we didn't talk about the Pioneer League. I think I may have said we were going to do that this week, but, uh, we just didn't really get a chance to go to it. We've already kind of, uh, ran real long on this show. So I don't want to have to edit more than I have to. I know, Will, you have stuff to do. So I, do want to let you get out of here too and uh, I'm frankly just tired after last night and then working today and everything so we're going to kind of cut it off here we're going to go to the plugs we're going to get out of here we'll try to make a point of getting to the Pioneer League next week I think their season wraps up fairly soon as well I'm not sure if it's uh, Labor Day weekend or the weekend after but I do know is right around the beginning part of September so we will make a point to get to the Pioneer League next week when we're talking about all these other uh, playoff races wrapping up as well. So uh, that being said, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can do so on Instagram at IndieBallReport and at ALPB underscore news. Uh, you can just keep up to date with everything we're doing over there, uh, by and large. That's the case here. Start posting a bit more, too, for, you know, more than just uh, to promote the podcast or do a bunch of retweeting and whatnot, you know, uh, genuine actual posts. So be sure to check those out on both fronts there. Uh, as we start to get back into that a bit. Uh, likewise, uh, if you want to find the show notes, which will have links to everything we mentioned today, as well as um, pretty much any article that's been written, any video that's been uploaded, or any podcast we've had, that's all on the website, IndieBallReport.com. And then, of course, you can find the show wherever you find podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Wherever you find podcasts and wherever they're available, we're likely there. So if you are able to rate, review, and subscribe, please do so, or as many that are applicable. That being said, do we have anything else left to add this week? No, only thing I have left to add, uh, college football starts this weekend. It Not does. many games, but it starts. That's exciting. I like college football. That's all i got to say. It, it is beginning, isn't it? Uh, I don't really have too much to add here. So I guess we'll just wrap it up at this point. So until next time, don't forget to play ball.